Welcome to the Hunt League Podcast, where we share hunting stories from the field that help pave the way for others to follow. My tactics, like what I learned in the military and how I can apply them to hunting. It's like reading terrain, reading wind. This is your host, Jared Newman. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Hunt League Podcast. Today, I'm sitting across from the legend, Nick. <laughs> Nick Bluff from Vortex Optics. So, Nick, welcome to the Hunt League Podcast. I think this is the first one that I've actually done live since I've done it. I think everything's been virtual. So we are sitting in oh, a Jumping great. Jack trailer. Nick, live from the Jumping Jack trailer. Here uh, we are. Not deep in the woods in Colorado. <laughs> like, just, uh, you know, in my driveway. Yeah. Glad to have you here on the Hunt League Podcast. Man, I am really actually excited on multiple fronts to do this podcast. Talk Likewise. about Vortex stuff, talk about the on-point experience, and let people get to know a little bit more about you. We had you on as a judge last year for the 2021 Outdoorsman of the Year. Yep. So you've had some connection with Hunt League, but uh, go ahead and just just give us like... Not not your hunting resume, not but just give us an overview. Like, like no, yeah, give us who on earth is this Nick Bluff guy? Where does he hail from? Yeah, so I hail from Illinois, Central Illinois, uh, born and raised there. Um, you know, I lived there all my life from the age of 23, 24 years old. Uh, I ended up joining the Navy in 2010, and uh, that moved me into uh, San Diego for two and a half years, and then I got uh, stationed out in Virginia Beach for about eight years out there. So, um, from there, uh, I ended up meeting a lot of people and doing a lot of things. Um, I was a Navy SEAL sniper, um, had a lot of fun doing that. I also went to be a sniper instructor for, uh, NSW, which is Navy, Navy special warfare. Um, I did that for three and a half years. Uh, and that's kind of where I made my introduction to hunting. Uh, there was a mentor there that, you know, kind of took me under his wing as far as like archery stuff. I thought it was the coolest thing. It's like, Hey, you're coming here to be an instructor. You need to get a bow. Like, you know, we set up <laughs> you this. You taught us how to shoot now. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay, it's like, like hey, it. if you're going to be an instructor, you need to have a bow. Um, we had this, this whole field to ours. So we, we had our own little compound, and we had a whole bunch of 3D archery targets out there. So kind of watching those guys and kind of getting as much information as I can from, you know, my buddies, because I'd never bow hunted before. Now, is this on the, is this on a base? Yeah. So you got is, the 3D archery? Yep. So we kind of built our own. We put our funds in to be able to buy those 3D targets. So when we were there, we were staying there seven, eight, nine weeks at a time. So like we lived in our little compound, we all had barracks and stuff like that. So it's like when we weren't doing our instruction, our course of instruction, or we had time off on the weekends. You know, we, you'd find us out in that field um, just flinging arrows. Is this Virginia or is this San Diego? This is actually in Indiana. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I guess I didn't mention and that. Neither. Yeah, so the training um, that we did was in Indiana. So a, lot, a big whitetail there. Um, so it's like we were able to actually hunt that base. Um, if you are in the military, active duty or veterans, um, we're able to come in on that base and actually hunt that 33,000 acre. Um, just a small little parcel. Just a little smidgen. Right, the only stipulation was we can't hunt in the impact zone, right? Because uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, so all of these uh, an active war zone, yeah, you don't get to hunt there because they had um, uh, what are they called? Um, not warthogs, but um, they did a lot of like dropping ordnance and stuff with okay. the, with their planes, and uh, did a lot of like howitzers, a lot of cannons, a lot of like one fill, uh, 105 millimeter mortars, so light artillery. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> artillery. <laughs> it's it, it got pretty loud and it shaked the walls sometimes when they were doing some of that big stuff. So we couldn't hunt there, right, for obvious reasons. 
um, there was a lot of unexploded ordnance in the in the impact oh, sure, zone, so sure, they didn't sure. want people just walking, walking around. Through there and... So that was like a no go. So, but we could hunt the perimeter of that uh, of that impact zone, and um, you know, there's a lot of big deer, and we for the amount of deer that we saw and the size of deers that we saw, it's like there's got to be a Boone Crockett just sitting in that impact zone, just dodging all these one one oh fives. Like he's got to be in there. He knows like that's the safest spot for him. I don't know, man. I, if you're, if you're dealing with like, you're, you're flying stuff in yeah. people have thermals. I'm like, do you think there's ever anybody that's like looking down? Like there's a big deer. Yeah. Like, uh, they got to with all the like instruments they have on golly. those planes. but still it's like, I hope, that they did not get that hair and they're like oh look at that big deer let's blow him up <laughs> so right <laughs> so i don't think any of that stuff was happening and they let it to you know for the hunters to have the good chase um but we saw some big deers and a lot of you know 170 185s getting oh pulled God. out of there um you know just great deer good population um towards the end though uh they did bring dnr to kind of do like a conservation and and, and see what the head count was as far as doe to buck ratio and they figured out that it was like a six to one doe buck ratio. Yeah. So that next year, that following year, they actually uh, increased their limit to instead of taking like one doe, you or you have to, you can you take earn a you, earn a buck earn a buck. That's what it is, earn yeah. a buck. And then you get if you got your buck, then you'd be able to come back and get another doe. So they were trying to. So you, you can know, do a doe first, get a buck come back for another dough right so you could have a full freezer yeah. in indiana huh? yeah yeah and and it was a, it was a great time but we get a little sidetracked but that's where i kind of picked up hunting that's where i picked up bow hunting and understanding like my tactics like what i learned in the military and how i can apply them to hunting it's like reading terrain reading wind you know uh low crawling or uh stocking up on deers uh it's just I found like all that tools that I learned over the years, it's like applied strictly to what I was actually doing in the field hunting. <laughs> so it was like, one, it was a piece of cake. I figured it out real quick and, um, and I got my bow tuned up and, you know, got all the, the right arrows, got the right uh, releases, you know, just had, had good guidance and good mentors with that. And one weekend during hunt season, everybody had their deer and we would turn our galley, like our, where we go to eat chows huge kitchen right industrial uh refrigerators industrial uh, stove like big stainless steel um countertops everybody would bring in their grinders their stuffers their oh, you know what nice. i mean and it just turned into this working party everybody <laughs> bring your deer in and we're gonna process it right here so it was like i got like schooled up yeah on, how to do it all yeah i just like hey nick if you're gonna be an instructor get a bow if you get a deer we're gonna process it we're gonna pack it and then we're gonna smoke it like if we need to do summer sausage or something like that. And then, you know, that's not even seal. fair. Yeah. That's not right, even fair right. to like have I that felt... kind of start <laughs> to be able to learn from other people. Like yeah. nobody gets like a hunting camp like that unless you like pay big money to go to hunt camp. It was and it's a like, lot of fun. You got a great indoctrination. Yeah, I did. Okay. This is, this is going to be a hard podcast because <laughs> we got a lot to talk about everything that you just <laughs> talked about. I'm like, wait a second. So you were a Navy SEAL. We're just going to skip right over that. You were a sniper. You taught long range shooting, yep. all of those things. Yep. And then we just jumped straight into bow hunting. And I'm like, yep. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> how do those things, how did that transition <laughs> to that all of a sudden? Yeah. And you're from Illinois, which hates guns. And no, yeah, I'm just like, right? yeah, that's why I moved to Wisconsin and started working before. Yeah. They don't even <laughs> let you do any type of long range shooting there. You're limited to yeah. muzzleloader, uh, shotgun, yeah. you know, uh, slick bores. Yeah. The, uh, 
what is it, straight wall cartridge stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's my alma mater, right? Illinois is my alma mater. I'll, I'll go there and I'll hunt there. I have property and family there. Um, you know, whether we get a deer or not, it's just fun to go and hang out with those people and, you know, reestablish that relationship with them, whether we get a deer or not, you know, it's Absolutely. just, it's just good fun. We just talk tactics. We talk like, Hey, we're going to be in this stand. You're going to be in this stand. Where's the wind going? We're checking weather. We're checking everything. Barometric pressure. It's just, it's just a fun activity. Okay. So you're talking about like, you're just getting started mm -hmm. in hunting, but I, I'm not saying right now, but when you just got started back then. You're, you're checking barometric pressure, you're checking wind, you're doing all these different things that like most people don't ever do until they've been hunting for years and realize like <laughs> they've screwed up so many sure, things. Sure. So now is, is so much of that just the ingrained nature of what you learned? I think, it, I mean, as a seal, I think it's just from the mission planning portion of it. Like before we go on a mission or something, it's like, you're looking at, uh, the moon cycles and what kind of uh, a loom we're going to have at night, yep. right? Whether it's a 96% a loom or whether it's a 10% a loom, and that's going to dictate what we do. We look at weather, what we if we need to bring rain gear, if we need to bring, you know, puffies and stuff, we're going to be overnight and it's going to snow. So it's like all those considerations building up into a mission is like directly reflecting on what you do for hunting. But you just have it, you just have different, you know, <laughs> uh, a different mission, a different this. skill set. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. It translates perfectly. It really does. Like in so many ways, you know, I, I think sometimes even in like the mentoring cycle, mm -hmm. like you can only teach them so much kind of on an outing. Right. But it's like you had years of this active yeah. mission training. Yeah. Everything from the preparation for survival mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. comfort to, yeah. you know, the actual tactics of attacking and warfare. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like all of those things worked in your favor. Absolutely. For this. Dead space. Concealment, you know, uh, all that stuff. It, it all applies, and it was, it's very fun to kind of see that and have all, all that skill set to be able to, now now that I'm out of the military, be able to apply it somewhere else because I have all this information. It's like, well, how do I apply it? You know what I mean? Yes. So do I, am I a uh, range officer or, or this and that? Um, I can apply it on my own and take this, the stuff that I learned and still be creative with it. But granted, it's not the same the same thing. I'm not. I'm not fighting an enemy that is trying to find me. Well, Thank God. I guess. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, that deer might be yeah, trying to find. They want you to find or, you yeah, so they, they can escape. They can but escape, right. I'm, I'm they're always wolf. aware. Hundred percent. So I mean, it's just it's a great avenue to be able to take what I learned and then get it out of the military and being able to apply it in a different manner um, and still grow as a hunter and grow as a grow as a human as a man and you know just loving life dude it's just it's good it's a good transition ah, i love it okay so prior to joining the navy mm -hmm. did you shoot a lot i didn't didn't i mean <laughs> you were a, a seal sniper yeah. so i'm like i would assume in my mind i'm like you had to have grown up shooting or those it was a train yeah i had to seek it out my family doesn't didn't have guns not that they weren't against them it was just my dad was a marine my my uncle was a marine and they always made fun of me for joining the navy but, you know, they, they did a lot of stuff with guns, and uh, it was just something that was like, you know what, I don't see a use for it. He had a BB gun for the squirrels, and that's it. Yep. We just didn't grow up hunting. We didn't grow up hunting or shooting. And, um, and I don't knock them for that, but I had to be able to seek out um, those situations. Like, again, I didn't hunt until I was, what, how old was I? At 2016, I was 28 years old, 29 yeah. years old. But I had to, you know, go to my buddy's house who had 
uh, a farm and he had a little, you know, 20 or uh, I can't remember what, 30 ox six. We post up in his bedroom and shoot the raccoons because we baited them in front of the bar. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that was my introduction to shooting and my introduction to hunting. And it wasn't that I was uncomfortable with guns. I just didn't know how to use them. So once I joined the Navy, I didn't have any like gun experience. Yeah, no proper training. No. Didn't have any idea about really ballistics, right. scopes. Right. If I had to hold a pistol, you know, what rounds go in my shotgun. Like I had I'd never shot a bolt gun, never shot a carbine. I mean, nothing. Okay. Walk me through the Cliff Notes version of going from truly a rookie mm-hmm. shooter, you know, no no formal training yeah. to a sniper, <laughs> a SEAL sniper. Right. Like that's well, that's a big leap. It is a huge leap. And you know, once I got into the Navy, you have to go through boot camp, right? And you have to go get qualified. Yep. Um, qualified in pistol, where you shoot like maybe 20, 25 rounds at a, a target that's 15 yards away, right? Super easy, hold the pistol, pull the trigger. Yep. You don't even need a whole lot of right, training right. to just, be successful. You just there. hit in an area and they're like, hey, you can, you, can shoot, you can shoot a gun, right? Let's, you're qualified in boot camp. The same with, with a shotgun. So those are the two weapon systems that you get qualified in boot camp was a pistol and a shotgun. Um, moving into kind of like the buds kind of thing. We actually didn't touch a gun in buds until we were in third phase, which is, um, probably eight, six, uh, 16 to 18 weeks after we started the training. Oh, so everything else is, uh, you know, you're getting your butt. <laughs> Isn't up. that after your fingers are already yeah, broken right? and you yeah. have no <laughs> dexterity? We're still around. You haven't right? slept Teach for us 16 more. weeks. Teach us more, please. Um, and so third phase, that's when we first started doing like rifle quals and pistol quals and actually getting instructors out there teaching you how to, how to shoot. Um, again, you still have to qual for pistol. You still have to qual for that carbine. Um, the Navy or the, the, the standard for that, for the Navy qualification is, um, iron sights, carbine, two, two, three, yep. or five, 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 six, five, six. five, five, six. And, uh, you have to do four different positions at a 200 yard target, iron sights. Okay. So you start in a prone position and you shoot, I think it's uh, ten, uh, five rounds slow, controlled, and then five rounds rapid. And you move up to a kneeling or a seated, same thing, uh, kneeling, and then standing offhand. Um, so you have to have a minimum score of 162, 162 points um, and a maximum score of uh, 200. So you have to fall within that 162, 200 before you move on. So even though I made it through that 18 weeks prior to that rifle qual, if you don't pass that rifle qual, you're out, right? Oh, you, you either get rolled back. Straight up. Rolled, like, yeah. You don't hit a 162. Yeah. Or, or higher. You get rolled back to the next class to try again. If you can't try if you can't make it on that next time, you get booted, booted out of the program. So yeah, you're uh, heavy standards. And, right. and now right. you've got four months you're of hell. At, yeah, and you got to go through hell week again. you got to go through all the oh. different phases again. You can't just start over where you were. So, um, and then it's, if you do get rolled out of it, it's a two-year process minimum because you have to serve, you have to, um, you have to adhere to a contract with the, the fleet, right? So whether your designation was something else, you have to go adhere a contract like you have to fill yep. two years prior to being back into that. So you're looking at a two-year turnaround if you do get booted from that program. So going into that rifle qual, I was not good. Was not good at all. My first 
qualification. So you have three chances in your first attempt. Three chances. My first attempt, I think I got a 136. 136. Oh. I was just terrible, right? Uh, and You're making me sweat right I now. Know, man. I still sweat thinking about it. And uh, so it was, it was just awful. But I stayed up, like once the training was over, I'd stayed up at night and I would just be behind the barracks, dry firing, dry firing, dry firing, feeling that, that trigger pull and going through all the positions. And it was like three or four hours in the middle of the night. And then two hours later, we were up again doing training again. So it's like, that's the, that effort right there was what pushed me into being a better shooter. So it's like, I had to take time out of my sleep to be Man. able to achieve <sighs> moving on yeah right? to even pass right. like to get right what i thought you were going to tell me uh -huh. was you know you hadn't really qualified ever with a carbine mm -hmm. and it was like i didn't even know i was really a good shot and then i went yeah. out there and i hit like this Terrible. perfect 200 Terrible. And, <laughs> no so it wasn't all just instinct natural no. iron I sights i had to work at it i had to work at it and and it deprived myself of sleep to be able to be good at it um so <laughs> to be able to just qualify yeah right? just to be able to qualify so i think i was on my third attempt before i got rolled back into the next class and i got a 174 174 i got a marksman right i got marksman i didn't get expert all my buddies were getting experts and stuff like that and i'm like marksman right yeah it's like bummer and i'll take it though <laughs> yeah and it, it pushed me on um to make a long story short you know i ended up getting through um, and getting my pen and my bird, uh, after, you know, two years of training on that. And then we got pushed to my first team, um, on the East coast in Virginia. And that's where I kind of yep. ended and did my career out there on the East coast. Um, so the platoon I was actually, um, supposed to platoon up with was deployed. So they were deployed and that's kind of how the rotation goes is I, we come in prior to them coming back and then we, we link up and continue. So. I was there probably four to five weeks prior to that platoon getting back from deployment. And there was an, uh, an operations officer in there and he asked me, he's like, Hey, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, what do you mean? What do I want to do? Like, what job do you, want? I'm like, uh, and he's like, you have this choice, this choice, this choice, right? You're like go be a, a comms guy, go be a breacher or go be a sniper. Like, which job do you want? And he was like yelling at me. Tell me He's now. Like, I, I need you out of my office. I want you to pick one of these and you're going to go to him. I'm like, I'll go to sniper school. I'll be a sniper. <laughs> right. So. And then he looked and saw, but you were a marksman, not even yeah, an expert. Right. So uh, I don't even think he looked at that. I think he was just trying to fill billets. So I'm like, I took it. He put it in front of me and I took it. And so I went to sniper school prior to the platoon getting back. And that's where I kind of honed in everything. So. From start to finish, like me and my shooting buddy ended up leaving that program being the top shooting pair. And granted, there's standalone honor mans and top stalkers and stuff like that, but we had the best like averages throughout the whole program to be the top shooting pair in that program. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of blossomed my shooting and it blossomed like, hey, I'm good at this and I understand it. I'm sneaky. I can get to the woods, blah, blah, blah. Like that blossomed a career for me that i didn't expect to have prior to joining the military <laughs> so do we owe this officer that was yelling at you I no what job do you yeah, want what, you tell me right now or i'm gonna that was gonna the pivotal you moment kind of in your life that mm -hmm. has led to you being uh, right and now you work at vortex yeah right? now i work <laughs> like, at vortex oh so my gosh. um 
yeah, so top shooting pair, and then uh, we were deployed, and I was um, I was a uh, recce team or not recce team lead. I was one under my recce team lead, um, and then moving into our second deployment, I was team lead for my second deployment as a sniper. Uh, after that deployment, I took a shore duty, and I went to be an instructor at the sniper schoolhouse. So that's again. So I kind of look at it as. The boot camp being my elementary school, right? Yeah. And then, oh, let's say, let's say, middle school, whatever, middle, middle elementary, and then. Yeah, you got your kindergarten training wheels shooting the thirty out six at a raccoon. And yeah, then, And right? then middle there school is. is uh... And then Buzz was like, you know, you know, middle school, high school, and then, you know, my or my uh, my deployments were like, yeah, college. Yeah. And now. When I was an instructor, I was in master's. Now I feel like I'm getting my doctorate, you know, with Vortex. Because, like, boom, like, these guys know so much, right? I was only in these different routes of ammunitions, right? Because we have to use this ammunition, this ammunition, and that. And then this gun, this gun, this gun. So I was very proficient on a very narrow portion of that world. So now, you know, talking to Tucker and talking to Ruben and talking to uh, Verge, um, Travis Virgil, or Vogel. And, um, like those guys know every gun that's out there, every, every round that's out there, every scope that's out there, every suppressor that's out there. And I'm just yeah. like, bring it in. And I'm just yeah. soaking in what they know. And it's, it's been such a, a great experience for me to be work, being able to have that experience through the military and still be able to apply it outside of the military and still learn something and still be able to give back to this community. Um, just shooting and you know, with the fundamentals and what I know, what can I bring to the table? But it's been awesome working for Vortex, and you know I couldn't have asked for a, a better transition job yeah. um, being here. I don't know any hunter that doesn't know Vortex, isn't familiar. Mm-hmm. I mean, you walk into Shields, Bass Pro, Cabela's. I mean, Vortex is on the signage, like as you drive by you yeah. know, billboards. So yeah. Like Vortex is a is a well known entity. But I I think one of the things that I I, I don't know how well people really know just the corporate spirit, the generosity, Dude. the it's it's unreal the amount like you'll never walk into vortex and see sour faces like everyone is just loving what they're doing right they love being able to engage with the consumers they love talking to people about what hunts they have coming up or even you know we get love letters that say hey thank you so much for you know doing this for us here here's a hunt that I did with my daughter or, or my son or you know my grandfather or whatever and they'll send us pictures and whole like notes in it it's like it's tear jerking at sometimes. Yeah, but it's just it's like real meaningful. Yeah, thing. Like you've made Vortex as a company has made an impact, not just as a product. Yeah, but like as a company, you guys have made an impact. Yeah. It's more of a li- lifestyle, I guess. Um, just be good, right? Be good, and you know people will be good to you, and it's owed well for them. Yeah, as I've worked more with Hunt League and worked more with different companies. Mm-hmm. The mode of operation with Vortex from our very first communication has just been so refreshing. Mm-hmm. I've been just beyond grateful where I'm like, I don't even know how they can just be so you know, kind, like where it's not just a numbers in a business game. It's like, well, how many users does something have? And how, yeah, well, we'll think about it. We'll put in our marketing, you know, like, right. you know, but it's just like, those were never the questions. It was, it was, wait, tell us about Huntley. Tell us what you guys are building. Man, this sounds like an incredible platform. We're here to support you. Yeah. Tell us what you need. We're here. And it's just the 
the mindset. I'm like, man, I hope that I can be as good, like with Hunt League and creating a culture of what you guys have yeah. done and creating the way that you want to treat mm-hmm. both the end user consumer, but also just the everyday person you run to. Yeah. And I feel like Vortex has treated people where it's like, you don't have to be an Instagram hero to be treated well with Vortex. Yeah. You get to be the everyday blue collar guy that's going into Bass Pro, buying a Crossfire scope that is $140. Yeah. And you get the same customer support, yeah. love, doesn't feeling. matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you buy. You're going to get the same response. You're going to get the same customer care that we offer. And, you know, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, really. Coming from what I, what I knew prior to being at Vortex and coming, and coming to Vortex, just like, this is what I, I feel like this is what I needed. This is this is the good people like this is the goodness that I needed coming out of the military. That's and amazing. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. So people listening are gonna go, well, what do you do for Vortex? Like so, your your name is not Nick Vortex. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Uh so I work with the dealer sales team. Um and then then off of that, we are the dealer training team. Um, as, and I work, I guess my title would be, um, a consumer engagement specialist, but basically what we do is we work hand in hand with the dealer sales team. Um, you know, they're working with box companies like Shields, right? Um, Cabela's, uh, Murdoch's down the road, um, runnings, like all these big dealers that are, you know, dealing our stuff. So what we do as our team comes either one, we bring their managers and, uh, floor salespeople to our facilities and we train them on the on the optics that we have or like calibers or or guns and stuff like that so we train them on the pistols to be able to have a more confident interaction with the consumer and so they can be again more confident yeah if i if i come in and i want to ask you like because that's always a frustrating thing when you go in and you ask a sales rep like hey what's the difference between this and this Yeah. yeah and if they don't know it's like so well i can't buy anything i gotta go research this now myself but you give those dealers the confidence to be able to and we're not just giving them stuff like they can't remember like i can't remember specs on a lot of a lot of the scopes that we have a lot of the red dots that we have a lot of the range finders that we have so i don't expect somebody who's talking about a whole array of optics because it's not just one company one company is selling vortex they're probably selling leopold they're probably selling bushnell they're probably selling you know whatever so i don't expect them to have that specifications chart in front of them and be able to rat the, rattle that off and i'm taking notes and checking boxes like oh this guy's good to go this guy's good to go it's about putting them in a position to have an experience to what went well what didn't go well what can i use this for what can't i use this for and that one yeah we want them to sell vortex but we also want them to be more confident behind the table because they they need to make a paycheck too so it's like if they're more confident behind the table, not we're not just saying, "Hey, buy Vortex." We're saying, "Hey, if you put a red on this, this is the pistols you're looking for. This is the application that you're going to apply it to. If you're going to buy this scope, this is the application you're going to, you know, yeah, use yeah. it for. This is the caliber you want to use it for. If you're going to go this route, you're looking more in the competition, you know, stuff like that. So, and we put them in those experiences from pistol, carbine, um, long range, uh, long range training." So they can understand the clicks. They can understand the quality. They can understand the application of each and every line that we have so they can fit the consumer to the right price point that they want and still have a great experience with the gun and a great experience with the scope. 
So that's kind of our job is, is we want to enlighten that salesman or saleswoman to be able to sell confidently, not just one product. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The optics. Yeah. Just optics to, in to, general. To understand. And knowledge is power. What do people knowledge need? And don't power. just sell them something they don't need because right. that won't work for you long term. But like, what is the application that you're actually wanting to use an optic for? Because it's really easy to go in and look at optics and be wowed by certain features. Sure. But who cares about features sure. if it's not practical yeah. to your application? If they're going to be bummed out that they spent $2,000 on a scope just for, you know, a hundred yard um, muzzle loader hunt, yeah. they're not going to enjoy that. It's getting the right person in the right scope to be able to have the, the, the right experience. They spent the money that they wanted to spend and they got the quality and the, and the um, confidence in being able to make that shot for that hunt, that harvest. Yep. It's like, I don't want it. I don't want somebody to sell some guy that has a, you know a straight wall cartridge his whole life he sh- shoots the same stand every year and you know he's coming in to buy a diamond back right and then somebody sells him a four and a half 27 for that application like he's not going to be happy because one he spent that much money to be able to do yeah. that and and doesn't know all the belts and whistles that's going on with it he just wanted to upgrade from a, a you know one scope to the next one yeah he would have been thrilled to come in and get that what he wanted, but if he got yeah into something he's not going to feel comfortable with, I don't think he's going to like. Yeah, that. now he's got a busy reticle and he's got yeah, a bunch of other stuff. He's that got he, so he doesn't much even know what to do with that. Follow on learning to do. Yeah, but then you get the Western hunter that's coming in, um, that's shooting three, five, seven hundred yards at once in a lifetime um, yeah. animals. Right, they might have that knowledge. Like, I don't want to sell him a, a crossfire. Right? He's not gonna, not gonna bode well. Um, we almost want to match the gun quality to the scope quality. Yeah. So you know we might like, hey, if you're looking at the you know Razor LHT four and a half twenty two, or you're looking at the four and a half twenty seven Razor uh, the Gen two or the six thirty six Gen three. It's like though that's where he needs to be able to see far, push through fog, push through rain, sleet, snow, um, barrage. Like yeah. all that stuff, like, hey, these are your quality optics. They're going to be able to eat through that and be able to, one, not miss that once in a lifetime hunt that you've probably been waiting, earning points on for the last 10 years. Absolutely. So it's like, let's not, let's okay, not fail Okay, talk to me here. about the Razor Gen 3 because I, it's not just because yep. it's a cool product or, hey, it's the latest, greatest. The reason why I want to talk about it is because it was featured in our Outdoorsman of the Year yep. last year. Grayson. Grayson McBride. <laughs> Himself, the the yeah. legend, the myth. Yep. Um, Crayson got his choice. Mm-hmm. Anything from the Vortex lineup. And not only did you guys send him a Razor Gen 3. And what was crazy about that is like all of last year, there was no such thing as a Razor Gen 3. There was no 2021 Razor Gen 3. Yeah. It just so happened that the timing of Crayson winning timed up right when that Razor Gen 3 was releasing, yeah. and Chris was like, do you think this is on the table? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, that's a big ask. Well, I'm mean, like, I don't it know. It was 2021, and we, he didn't know he won until February 22. It's true. So, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask, but he got it. And I, I watched his uh, YouTube video when he was hunting the coyotes and got that double. It's and, impressive. Dude, he, I'm so happy got that scope he's a good shooter i'd like to shoot with you sometime crayson if you can hear this you're probably listening oh he will be um but yeah i'm so excited he got that and you know he's already rocking and rolling with it it's really cool to see but what are we talking about specs on that thing or let's let's talk about the scope itself like because 
when I when I first saw it, I was actually I was in Wisconsin visiting the Gawain brothers, okay, and yep. dropped into Vortex kind of headquarters just because like, hey, I've, ne- I've you know I'm actually close enough where yeah, I, I, I'm going to drive. So you guys are located in Wisconsin. We've got quite a few Wisconsin boys uh, that are jumping in, logging stuff in the app. I was on a tour where. Uh, you know, Mike was kind of running me around the facility. I saw like the Vortex Edge, all the shooting yeah. stuff. It was incredible. Yeah. So if you're in the area or if you see like an event or a shooting, you know, instructional thing and you can make it to the Vortex facility, it's a yeah. one of a kind, unbelievable experience. Do you do some of the instruction, by the so way, at the Vortex? Vortex Edge has their own kind of curriculum um, and there's great instructors down there. They do everything from intro pistol to advanced pistol. Intro carbine to advanced carbine, and then they actually do a uh, intro to long range, and then for those hunters that are doing that, so they they have a curriculum built up, and you can go into our website, uh, vortexoptics.com, and go to the Vortex Edge and look at the curriculums that they have and time slots. Um, it, you know, they did they just kind of started that this year, and they've been um, beta testing some of their curriculums, and they got them pretty. Uh, it, yeah, it's they're pretty dialed good. in. They're dialed in now, and you know if. We don't necessarily are, are are helping them, but if they need help, we're we're going to be able to give that help to yeah. them. But that's, I mean, that's like a totally different part of like what we're doing. Um, sometimes we grab them if we don't have enough bodies. Sometimes they grab us if we don't have enough bodies. So it's kind of a a little relationship that we have, but we aren't like holding each other. Like, hey, we're doing this curriculum. We need you, right? You to be there. Those guys crush it down there. Um, they they have a blast down there. If you if you guys ever go to that training you know you'll have a good time you're in good hands down there they know a, a lot of experience is coming out of that um out of that crew down there so this is one of those problems with just we're gonna hit rabbit trail after rabbit trail yeah, but sure i was touring the facility with mike <laughs> yeah when i saw the vortex edge all the facility stuff the headquarters was like man this place is incredible and was walking through some of the manufacture where you guys manufacture in-house some of your high-end optics and you know testing prototypes, all of that. When I was walking through with Mike, I see a box that says Razor Gen 3, which I was like, wait, what? Well, that's and why, then saw yeah, you, you 6 probably, to 36, and yeah. it's like, and I asked Mike, I was like, uh, and he's like, nope. No pictures, no talking. He's like, this one's in the box. I'm, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm sure you probably signed a non-disclosure agreement There's at that point. There's an NDA yep. before you kind of walk through the uh, the whole back. I mean, because yeah. just the facilities and how you manufacture stuff, that in and of itself is all proprietary, and it's unbelievable to actually see in person. So it was a huge honor for me just to have that kind of treatment to be able to walk through. But I got to see that you know, back in 2021, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what's what coming is coming down? on the horizon. Yeah, dude. It yeah. doesn't even seem possible. For all intents and purposes, you're putting a spotting scope on top of a rifle. But you know what's funny is that it's actually lighter by about, I think, six ounces than the 4.5 to 27. Even though it's longer and looks bulkier, it's actually lighter. Oh, let's say like an uh, inch and a half longer. And again, I don't, like I said, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know specs to a, to a T. I know generalities. But it's longer than the four and a half to twenty-seven. Has more power than the four and a half to twenty, or the yeah four and a half to twenty-seven. But it's lighter. It's a marvel. It is great. It's an engineering marvel. Like when you think of a thirty-six power, the only way that you can get something in that compact of a size, in my mind, that scope needs to be like three feet long. It's yeah. like wait a second, like for to do what it does, <laughs> like with the lenses, it's like a telescope. Yeah, so it's an <laughs> inch and a half stars. longer. Yeah. 
but it's lighter than the previous generation. And I'm, it's just everything about it. So talk to me about the optics of it. Like, well, I will, before I get into the optics of it, I will, um, tag our engineers on that. We have a great crew of engineers, 35 engineers that all work together. They have their own fish tank. There's like constant great ideas after great ideas. And those guys work so well together and they come up with some great stuff. Like all of the, the optical quality of it, the turret systems, like everything about that comes out of that room, right? Like it's not, we're not picking it out of a, a brochure or anything like yeah. that. That scope you have in your hand came out of somebody's mind and had a purpose when, yeah. when, when you hold it in your hand. You guys built it, you, tested it, designed it. I don't like it, this. Yeah. Let's change this. Yes. What if it did this? Yeah. Like this is the rabbit trails, but it's like you, I held it in my hand a minute ago and uh, it's a different type of zero stop than anything I've ever seen before. And the way that you can adjust and dial stuff in, I'm like, oh my gosh, wait a second. Mm -hmm. So this is, you just unscrew this, the yeah. way you zero it to the way you dial in your zero stop. You're no longer taking off the scope cap, to zero your rifle. Um, it's a one screw thing. There's one screw on it. You loosen that screw. You, uh, let's start back. So you have your, your turrets on zero, both windage and elevation. And you're not losing any travel anymore when you are um, zeroing your rifle. So what you do is when you're zeroing your rifle, everything's going to be on zero. You're assuming you have a good bore sight, right? We checked it, make sure we're at least on paper. And you're loosening one screw on the turret. And then on top, you're going to have micro adjustments that you can actually go in between MOAs. You can go uh, in between quarters and halves or whatever. And you can go in between mill radians. So you can literally do point one two five or point one five or point one five seven or one seven <laughs> so i didn't notice that when yeah, you were showing so you can go that's in between so that's how fine-tuned you can actually get your zero so it's no longer a it's not a quarter of an inch moa like at 100 yards or 0.32 whatever it you is can get even finer than that on that scope you're splitting hairs 0.1 of a <laughs> mil into smaller yeah smaller so mill radians get you know, Nat's ass on that, on that zero. So it's no longer, it's like, oh, I only have this. So I'm going to have to be good with it or, or trying to finagle something. You can get in between those. Yeah. You're not holding a quarter inch high at a distance to hit that perfect mm -hmm. X. You can get a much finer zero. Unbelievable. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's the turrets. Yep. That's the turrets. And then obviously once you get it screw, uh, dialed into your zero, you just lock that one screw and then you're running. You're still, you have uh, 0.5 click down or uh, one MOA down, depending on what scope you get. So under travel, in case you need to hold under yep. for anything, and you, that zero stop's always going to be right there. You're just manipulating that zero with that fine tune adjustment on top or on the side for the windage. And dude, game changer. You're not taking that cap off. You're not exposing it to dust elements, rain, snow, whatever. Yeah. And then putting that cap back on and just letting it stay in there. It's like, all that stuff, it's all enclosed now. Locking cap, or does it, can you accidentally twist it and then go to take your shot? Locking caps, man. Locking Golly, turrets. Come on. Yeah. It's everything. So, mm -hmm. uh, another. What is it missing? I mean, it like, well, it just doesn't, it's not heat seeking. Is that yeah, the only that's thing? The only thing it's not missing, right? We can't, it, can't, it doesn't do thermals yet. Kind of. So, another great thing about that scope is so for your parallax adjustment, you can actually um, adjust, I it's down to 40 or 10 yards. So you can 10 yard parallax. Yeah. So for those, um, you know, if you want to get a, what is it called? Those plumb bob 
know, yeah, you, angling, yeah, you know, yeah. you can get that fine 10 yards or the 22. Um, there's a big push for 22 competitions that guys are pushing out to four, 500, 600 yards, you know, with uh, uh, 22 yep. rimfire and up close too. So they're able to make those fine adjustments all the way down to 10 yards for parallax. And then infinity. So 10 yards. And I would think infinity. that that parallax, parallax knob wouldn't have, because when you go from 10 to 25, it's a long travel. Yeah. Then 25 to 50, 50 to 75 to 100, all those smaller increments, it's yeah. actually a lot of travel. Before well, you go 100, 200, 300, all those start to get real close. Here's how we achieve that. And I can't, I don't understand because I'm not an engineer. Those guys, testament to them, like they figured this out and they're running with it and they're crushing it. But let's have the four and a half, 27, and the 60 to 36 side by side. When you're actually making parallax adjustments, you're going to have a depth of field that's in focus of about 100 to about 150 yards, right? So you're moving that focus, yeah. that 150 yards of focus in and out, right, based on what distance you're shooting. They actually, for the 6 to 36, you're getting about 300 yards of in focus. So you're not now... If uh, a deer or, or oh, an elk man. move 100, 200 yards, you yeah. don't have to make that adjustment. But without flattening the image to a point where you're losing depth. Right. That's what's, I don't even get that. Because like if you get any kind of a DSLR camera or you get anything like that, you know, all your lenses have a really fine focal point. Yeah. And so you're getting that level of depth in your focus. And that comes into parallax, right? If we don't have, a good focus on our target and we haven't set our diopter right the, yep. the focus for our reticle on the very front or on your eyepiece if you if those two things are misaligned if one thing is out of focus you're actually going to have this illusion to where you think you're on the target but if you move your head up and down you're going to see the reticle kind of wiggle around so if your target's not if your target's in focus and your reticle is in focus and you move your head around it should just it moves as one yeah but once you start to get this you know, refraction yeah. or this, uh, the shift, the shift, that. right. Yeah. It's, it's almost like looking at if you're a passenger in a car and you want to see how fast the driver's going, right. You're actually going to have a parallax because you're offset. It's going to maybe look like he's going 80, but to the driver going 76, yeah. he's looking straight on at it. Correct. Yeah. And so your positioning on that rifle, if one thing is not in focus, you're going to have the shift, right. You're going to be at a different angle. And then that could potentially be a missed shot, left, right, high, or low. Yep. Um, so having that depth of field be even greater, you're going to have much more success. So you don't have to, you know, one, come off target, adjust your parallax, get back on target, locate your, your target again if it hadn't moved. So, all right. So it keeps that target in focus a lot longer for you to be able to make that shot. Yeah. If it does move, it's still probably going to be in that depth of field that is in focus. It's in the not... acceptable depth of field you got for it. you to still be able to execute well. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is going to be impossible because we're already running into like my target times. We haven't even talked about the on-point experience. Oh, like, shoot. Yeah. So one of the amazing partnerships that's developed is, you know, you guys, Vortex has been a part of sponsoring our outdoorsman of the year. You guys are also part of that for 2022. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're participating in the Huntley community, somebody this year is going to be named the 2022 outdoorsman of the year, which comes with a prize package of, man, pick something, anything you need from Vortex, whether that's 
a rangefinder, a binocular, a spotting scope, a, uh, a rifle scope. Yeah, the new socks. <laughs> the new socks and hat. If somebody texts me back and kind of responds said, hey, I won last year. I think what I really want is those socks that uh, you know keep the ticks out. I will probably buy them those socks and then just tell Vortex, hey, I think they really wanted this Gen 3. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or that new, you have some new rangefinders. Like, yeah. Hit me with just a few quick so, hits on what, it's a big update actually. Yeah, like it's not like a small thing. Um, we just released our, our new kind of line and we try to want to make them coincide with our, our scope lines, right? Our Crossfire, Diamondback, Vipers, Razors. Um, and we were kind of misnamed as far as our rangefinders go. And so we wanted to kind of co-relate them to that same line yep. so right? somebody that that's familiar feel. with the lineup correct is going to be able to oh if it's a crossfire it's on the lower end sure. of you know the spectrum so i should expect this if it's a viper i should expect this if it's a razor 100 percent. like i expect to use it in the military i expect uh, to use it and you know it, it, it can do thing things can push. that defy gravity yeah. <laughs> yeah we're not quite there but we're trying yeah um but our new laser rangefinders, uh, we just released them about, I think, a few weeks ago, maybe a month. I'm not sure. I've been on the road quite a bit. But um, if you have an Impact 1000, that's going to be replaced by the Crossfire 1400. If you have a Ranger 1800, that's going to be replaced by the Diamondback 2000. We have the Viper 3000, and then we have the Razor 4000. So those are our four. Now, the, was the Ranger 1800 your previously kind of the? I mean, you had the Fury binoculars that yep, Fury had a little bit longer range. Yep, the Fury 5000s. I have a Ranger 1800. Mm-hmm. I do too. Was that the I upper end? A, I mean, it's a. It was a good rangefinder. It's I a great rangefinder. At range the time finder. when it came out, it was a great rangefinder. Uh, I think as technology progressed and we were reaching to get much finer, we've heard. The consumers talk like, hey, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do this. I wish we could do this. And we listened. And we tried to put everything that we heard into that, matching up the lines, getting uh, 10th yard increments rather than whole yard increments because that yeah. matters to 3D archer. It matters to the, the bow hunter going on elk hunts or whatever hunt for, for bow. Like, so the, the Crossfire 1400, that's going to be max effective. Yeah, the on upper hard, limits on a hard serve, hard like a, on a barn. Like if hard you see target. a barn in the distance, you can hit yeah. that. So for soft targets, smaller targets, you're looking at about half distance, maybe plus 10% or something like that. Yeah. So, so that's keep, still incredible. Yeah. On a crossfire, you're going to be able to get a six or 700 yard range on a, on a deer, yeah. maybe an elk. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And it only weighs five ounces. So bow hunters, if you're looking for something and you're trying to cut yeah. weight, this, this, this uh, range finder is awesome. It's priced perfect. What's the magnification on the front end? Just because, is it a 4X? I think the, uh, shoot, you're going to put me on the spot. It was, uh, I think it's a 5X. I believe okay. it's a 5X um, by 25 millimeter. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I, I'm, that's I think that's Anybody what it that's is. Anybody that's looking into it can mm-hmm. easily see that on the box. Mm-hmm. I've had the deal where I, I was thinking on a rangefinder. I was like, man, I want, I want more magnification when I saw them. And I bought one that has a 7X magnification. And I used it on an archery hunt, had an elk within 40 yards. I could visibly see the side of the body. Like, it was like, he's broadside to me. Yeah. I couldn't tell because his head was behind a tree. Right. If it was a bull, cow, that kind of thing. But I'm like, I've got an elk right here, 40 yards, completely broadside. I tried two different times to range that elk. And both times that 7X within that distance was, was too much magnification. And I couldn't identify the elk. And ultimately, 
It was probably a 330 bull. Why oh, there was wow. any confusion on my behalf? Is this a bull or There's a cow? There's a little uh, panic. <laughs> it, was, it was a total mess. And, but I didn't know that until he was walking away and he starts walking up the hill and his whale tails are like hitting his butt. And oh I was my like, gosh. I had this bull of a lifetime yeah. with 40 yards from yeah. me. And I, I, couldn't, I tried two different times with a 7X rangefinder. And didn't find it. So, like, some of these guys that they might look and say, man, I really want the Razor 4K. And it might be a 7X. It might because maybe that's built for the, the long range. The Razor is a 7X, shooter. correct. Yeah, well, think about that. The Razor, you're getting 4,000 yards on hard hard targets. It's unreal. Yeah. I don't even like, think about shooting 4,000 yards. I don't even yeah. think about shooting half that <laughs> distance. That's it's but, insane. I mean, it's good to have for, like, terrain association. If you, if you like, I I have a, a a sheep or whatever on this mountainside. I know that's. 3,000 yards away because I can hit that hard target pretty well. And you're like, how do I get over there? And now you start blazing kind of like, all right, so if I go over to this mountain, that one's 2,500, I'm going to have a 500-yard shot from here to there. Yep. So if I can make my way over there, and now I can do soft target range and get in within that 500. Get that in Acceptable within, terminal yep. ballistics, you know, humane energy with that, with that round that's hitting that animal. So That's a big deal. Yeah. All right, so that's the rangefinders. Let's... Let's, we have to just dive into on-point experience. Okay, let's do it. On-point experience. Mm-hmm. Garrett Weaver, he was our Western Hunter champion mm-hmm. last year. He downloaded the app about this time, uh, at June, July of 2021. Okay. Jumped in kind of with both feet. I, I actually would say he didn't even jump in with both feet at first. He invited me to be um, a guest on his podcast. And while we were on the podcast, he's like, wait a second, Huntley... What does Huntley do? Like, how does this work? He's like, so could I have a league where I invite like some of my buddies that also do podcasts and do stuff? Could we do like kind of a content creator league where other YouTube guys? So he invited a handful of his buddies. Some of those guys jumped in last year. And then it was like, well, if we can do this league, like, could we invite the people that kind of follow us to jump in and see how their season stacks up Mm -hmm. against them? Well, Crayson McBride happened to be one of the guys that listened to that podcast, jumped in, competed head to head with Garrett, and ended up stealing the outdoorsman of the year <laughs> right out from under yeah. Garrett, who had a record book season himself. Yeah, I, I mean, remember. I remember. It was pronghorn in Wyoming, uh, deer in Idaho, deer in Oregon, bear in Oregon, elk in Oregon. I mean, it was like. You got to be kidding! Rack and stack. It was seriously. I mean, he had an unbelievable year, but not not just that. But like, then he he comes back and says, "Man, I was nervous when I first started because I didn't know if like logging stuff and hunting would kind of take me out of the hunt." Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, "If if it takes me out of the hunt, I'm out. If it does this, I'm out. If it does this, I'm out. If it's just another like social media gimmicky thing, he's like, I'm out." So he used it. Loved the community aspect enjoy like this the way we do the competitions what it's just like it's not just it's not just who stacks up the most animal there's a human element we're listening to the stories we care about the different hunters so he was all about it and he was like for the last couple years i've wanted to do a bear hunt giveaway but I, i haven't had any kind of mechanism to do that other than just like do I just post something like, hey, I'm g- going to take somebody bear hunting? You know, who wants to go? It's, <laughs> a or like a, a random drawing. Yeah. So it's just, he was like, this is an awesome platform way to do it. He kind of said, hey, I want to do this. Do you think that would be something, you know, that could be hosted within the leagues? I think this would be a great platform to do it. We brought it up with uh, folks at Vortex, mm-hmm. Bear Hunting Magazine jumped in. And since then, 
XO mountain packs, axle hearing, velvet antler technology. You know, there's bullet companies that people are like, dude, this is a great, yeah. fun, exciting thing. So we're going to film a bear hunt fall of 2023. You got I, the lucky draw straw. I don't know how I did it. Airport I think packs. you guys liked me or something. We did, bro. <laughs> like, you, we just love it. But... We're also like finding out it's not just like, okay, we're just going to get somebody from Vortex. Like, yeah. all right, Nick from Vortex, yeah. who also has a background yeah. as a Navy SEAL sniper, <laughs> who has also trained other people in long range shooting, who participates in PSR events. Yeah. And there couldn't be a more perfect yeah. guy to come and join us on this hunt. So, one of the cool things that we're going to do is, you know, somebody's going to win. And they're going to get completely set up with everything they need. First light, yep. camo, backpack from X. So they're going to have all the supplies that they need to be successful in the sun. But it's not just supplies because sometimes it's that knowledge and skill set. Yep. So I'm pumped to have you. We, we've got Colby Moorhead, yep. the bear tech bear. from Bear Hunting Magazine, who's going to bring a wealth of knowledge, bear hunting experience, knowledge. That's great. Garrett, who's got local knowledge of where we're hunting, He's going to be leading the charge, taking somebody on a hunt. He's been successful taking multiple people on bear hunts in the past. So the odds of success are, are starting to stack up. But then at the end of the day, somebody still has to pull the trigger and, and execute, yeah. which that's not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And so one of the cool benefits is we've got you yeah. coming on this trip. So I'll train them. Give, give us a little bit of what we're going to do so, on this bear hunt. Man, so... I mean, I love shooting long range. I love teaching people how to shoot long range. The fundamentals, it's like, without a doubt, are, are the, the baseline into shooting. Um, but we're going to get this gun. We're going to get this the scope set up, change that gun up to fit them so they're comfortable on it, right? You know, they're not pulling their cheek off or smashing their yeah, face. Get a good, into, get a good well, comfortable, get a good, yeah. you know, length of pull, um, all that good stuff. Mount your scope properly. Um, get it nice and leveled on there. Understand what they're looking at as far as that reticle reads, whether it's an MOA or a mil radian. You know, we can talk both. They all it's just a different language. Um, but understanding that reticle is a big part of that. Um, so you know, when you have somebody behind you calling wind, looking at that mirage, you know, calling you know point two right, point three right, stop, point four left, point five left, right? Because winds can change on a dime, and so that that shooter needs to be able to understand what they're looking at and not get distracted. And be able to jump right to that wind call and be able to hold that wind and pull that trigger or you know jump back and get all that stuff so we'll we'll go through regimented stuff to where hey this is what the the wind's doing we're probably going to be holding this for wind you know left side of the target um we're going to push out the targets um try to reach out as far as we can i don't know where we're going for this range yet yeah. right i but, mean we, we can go out over a thousand yeah if so we want that's i've never ever so People listen to me. I've never shot over 300 yards at targets. Yeah, you like were I, telling us that last night. Yeah, I'm not a long range shooter. I'm I'm a bow hunter primarily. Yeah. I bought a setup to start doing long range, but it's still difficult for me. Even though I live in the West, where you can go and find places to go sure. shoot, I just yeah. I don't have that experience yet. So I'm pumped. Yeah, because I'm going to go on this experience. Colby's going on this experience. Garrett's going on this experience. So we're going to get a day at the range with Nick. From Vortex, that's just going to take us to school, bro. Yeah, but I'm going to school, too, because I've never been on a bear hunt before. Come on now. So I'm going to learn tons of stuff from uh, Bear Tech himself yeah. and Garrett <laughs> and you. Like, I've never been on a bear hunt before. So I, I jumped at the opportunity when, when Vortex asked me, like, hey, will you be a part of this? And I said, absolutely, I will. And I called you, like, what, 15 minutes yeah. later. I was like, dude, 
guess what? We're in. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it was coming, but I mean, you guys are going to teach me something and that's something I can carry on for the rest of my life. And I'm going to teach you something. So it's just like, it's not just one person doing one thing I'm learning too. Right. So I'm super excited to be able to go out and do this with you guys. And I look forward to it. First bear hunt, man. I, and you know, being able to teach that shooter is like, they're going to be so confident going into that shot. Granted, you know, uh, excitement is excitement. We're going to be a little yeah, bit, you know, there's, there's stress, right? There's, Whether it's good the stress, the day or on the range stress. might look different than the day in the field, yeah. and there might be new factors. So we'll put you in some uncomfortable positions on the range, like some, um, you know, maybe bag, like shooting off a bag, or maybe shooting off a branch in a tree. Like we don't know what we're going to be ended up shooting with. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a tripod, so I'm going to put you. I'll put you into those uncomfortable positions so you can understand how you can manipulate your body to be able to have a good stable position from a non-standard you know prone position 95 percent of the time we're not shooting prone we'd love to have a five percent prone <laughs> shot every time yeah it's just Where like you can lay out a mat out, and have yeah, like, everything you need who wants my kool-aid and who wants my coffee like and your little snacks your lickies and chewies and stuff like <laughs> it ain't like the that. cheese curds the yeah. wisconsin cheese curds you are you are sweating you're breathing you're you're stressing you're shaking and you're to boot you're on a tree with a broken branch trying to stabilize this gun so um we'll put you in we'll put that person in, in those positions prior to getting out there so at least they have something some knowledge and experience to be in in the field one less variable we can train to where a once in a lifetime bear walked out that 350 pound bear right that's a big one for oregon <laughs> see i don't know anything the, the 220 pound bear the yeah. giant no yeah I don't know anything about bears. I just thought like born and raised just posted something like that 330 pound, like coastal giant, you know, and it's like, that's huge for them. But then, you know, somebody that's hunting up in Manitoba is like, meh, <laughs> you know, like, Gee. we'll see. I can't imagine. And it is black bear, right? Black bear. Black bear. God. Black That'd bear. That'd be a lot of fun. And it, going through this year, like seeing all the different spring hunts that happen. I mean, we had guys spotting stuff at, you know, 1500, 1600 yards. I didn't see, I think the longest shot I saw was like somebody took an 1100 yard shot, I think, which is like, man, that's a poke. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the longest successful recovered bear, I, I think it was the Josh Dishman guy who I did a podcast with just recently. I think he said 716 or something wow. like I mean, it's a poke. He did it. And it, he's, he's intense. Like he's reloading, he's doing, yeah. he knows he tries every different type of load, you know, before he's like, all right, this is the load for this rifle. So he's into the precision of it. And he's like, no, I feel comfortable taking that shot yeah. every day of the week. And it's because he's put in the yeah, training, he's put in the time, put he me out there doing. It's seven sixteen. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta sneak up about a half a mile. <laughs> I could be within 40 yards <laughs> and I'm ready. Dude, we're going to get you plank and steel and, and hitting targets and being confident doing that i mean not just you everybody who comes out to that hunt it's gonna be a good time a lot of it's gonna be a lot of fun i, I have fun wait. every time i go out and shoot you know tucker and i we take we take a lot of people out shooting and it always puts a, a smile on our face to see people like i've never shot past 200 before and then we got them hit 1300 yards 1400 yards and they're you know the the report back from that piece of steel is literally like five seconds so they'll take the shot we'll see the impact and then it's like, bing, <laughs> right? And they're like, <laughs> just, oh my God. Oh, I hit it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So it's always great. Um, I love doing it. So, bro, I'm looking forward I can't to wait. It. Well, 
on-point experience. Uh, it's a league inside the app. If you go to the community page, you can go down to the bottom. There's a league section. Hit the join tab on the leagues. Look at some of the different leagues. We've got a Western Hunt League. We've got Waterfowl League, a, a Ducks and Bucks League, uh, Outdoorsman of the Year League, all these different leagues. Vortex is a part of – you guys are a key sponsor in the Outdoorsman of the Year your key sponsor in the Western Hunt League. Those are kind of the two that Hunt League hosts that Vortex is kind of leading the charge in. And then Garrett is hosting uh, the On Point Experience League with Vortex Hunt League and uh, Bear Hunting Magazine. So if you are sitting back and haven't joined the league, I want to invite you to join the league. Come on over. I want to invite you to have a chance to hunt with me, with Nick, with Garrett, and with Colby uh, from Baron Magazine, it's going to be an incredible experience, uh, truly a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I think all of us that are a part of it on, like, hey, we're hosting it, but all of us are excited for our own different reasons. Yeah, sure. It's going to sure. be a blast. It's going to be so much fun. Well, Nick, thanks for jumping on the Hunt League podcast. Let's Absolutely. go ahead and wrap stuff up just because, uh, you sure. know, we're, we're way over time. Dude, but we're just having fun. I'm impressed that we got it to this time. <laughs> what are we in? Yeah, uh, we're a little over an hour. Okay. That's yeah, right. we'll, we'll cut it down a little bit. Okay. So we'll make it just under. I'll leave you to the editing. Yeah. But, uh, bro, thanks for joining. Thanks for driving from Wisconsin. Yeah. We're sitting right now in my driveway yep. with a big in Vortex a van in a jumping jack truck. <laughs> the first ever podcast from the jumping jack trailer. Yep. Um, so, and you brought Tucker along and we'll, we'll introduce Tucker yeah. to the Huntley community. Soon. Um, yeah, here soon. So Nick, thanks for jumping in, joining us both on the podcast mm -hmm. today and in the On Point experience. Absolutely some fun stuff to come thanks for having me dude I, I mean i love being a part of this so i appreciate you having me and let me in your house and kind of hang out for a little bit so <laughs> it's been a pleasure what a great time with nick bluff from vortex optics whoever wins the on point experience league is getting a lot more than just a few prize items the opportunity to spend time with guys like nick garrett and colby and capturing the entire experience on film makes this truly a once in a lifetime opportunity I feel so honored to have Vortex Optics be a part of our community. They make great products, they're great people, and they take care of us hunters with their unconditional lifetime warranty. Man, am I excited about this upcoming season. Now is the time to test your gear and get everything ready, which should include learning the ins and outs of the Hunt League app. I wish you the best of luck as you head to the field this fall, 